Hi, this is Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining into our podcast. We're doing a two-week break from the book of Luke to focus on our missions trips locally and globally. Locally, we helped with the foster camp, and we have some really heartfelt stories from this camp. 37 of us went, two dozen of us went for the day, and it was just an amazing week of seeing God transforming us and the kids. The second week, we'll be hearing stories from our short-term missionaries who had gone overseas to serve in different areas. We're grateful to be a church that is about the mission of Jesus and to have that displayed throughout the summer. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. All right, that was our last Sunday at the Meridian. I don't know if you guys remember it. Some of you weren't there, but there was a lot of tears. We were super sad to leave. We talked about the dead fish on the second floor and the, mean, the metaphor of that and uh, creating life in a dead space. Um, and I think there were parts of us that felt like, man, are we going to get soft if we move to Brea? You know, is the AC going to make us not worship the Lord and in suffering? Because remember the heat waves and we had no AC and there was just like sunroof beaming down on us and all the heat would collect in the gym for like years. There was one heat wave where Ben was playing guitar and he was really sad that one of the members of our, sta- uh, of our worship team was going back to China And so I put my hand on his shoulders to comfort him, and I couldn't pull it out. It just sank into his shirt, and I felt like it might sink into his body. It was just, like, insane. And uh, and that said, he had one more song. He's like, one more song, guys? I'm asking genuinely, like, we could go home and hydrate. Would you like one more song? And we said, yay. And we're like, man, is Brandon going to make us soft with padded seats? Instead of sinkholes, in the meridian, you would sit down, and there's, like, no support in the middle of the seat. So you just kind of either sit on the frame of the seat or just not get up for worship and have someone pull you out. And so there was a sense of pride a little bit in uh, suffering through the heat waves and moving chairs every Sunday and seeing the whole congregation participate. And then we moved to Brea. It was a hard decision. The staff argued a little bit about it. The eldership, you know, had to vote. And then one week into Brea, Nina's like, what's the meridian? (laughs) We spent eight years with her, and she's like, I don't even remember her name. You know, I don't remember where she lives. I remember nothing about her. And we realized that Brea was magical because the same tablecloth that was dirty at the meridian, that looked dirty, would bring to Brea without washing it and it would become clean. It's like a magic trick. Like, it just cleaned itself. Um, There was climate control. You get to decide the temperature you wanted to exist in, which was amazing. And then for a pastor, pastors in the congregation, we want different things. You guys want some elbow space? We want every seat filled. And we want that announcement to scoot in and people to not find a seat. That's what pastors want. It's weird, right? Um, And so... And uh, I, I always dreamt about hearing in the lobby, we have to come on time or we can't find a seat. I still dream about that. that that's, that's like the dream of every pastor. But I think when we looked at the growth we experienced and the nine months of being here, I think about the last few when we started to promote Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a camp for foster kids. 
And I think why we pushed it so hard, why Jimmy said he, was, he went to RFKC, because every sermon landed on for like a month going to RFKC. It was like, I'm starting with this passage, and I know my landing point. How do I get to signing up for RFKC? And then uh, Matt and Deanna went to every small group to talk about the camp as well, to share about it from their experience and to ask people to help serve, whether for a day or a week or buy a birthday present or pray. I think there was a part of me that pushed so hard because I didn't want our church to grow for growth. You know, I didn't want for me at the end of the day to say, I just want a big church. I just want us, the win is to incrementally grow every year because it's so easy for us to get caught there. To say, we just want to be bigger, and that's, that's, that's it. But RFKC, the, the family kids camp, made us think like we're growing for a purpose. That as we grow, it actually increases our capacity to love on kids who are in the foster system. And as we talked about that in Sundays and small groups, I think there was a shift in our church away from how many people are in seats into what are we doing and how are we stewarding the gifts and talents of this community. Um, There's a passage that will be sitting up there from James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's what I'm thinking about as our church grows. That's what I hope I'll think about when our church hits a hard time and people start to leave, that the thing that is most important to the Lord, one of the things that defines why we exist as a church, why we gather, is looking outward at widows and orphans and asking, are they impacted by the church gathering we have on Sundays? I'm happy to report that 37 people from our church served for a whole week at camp. Some of them gave up half their vacation days to be there from Sunday all the way to Friday. We had 24 people come for one full day to serve at everyone's birthday. And then we have those of you who have prayed, picked up a name from the table of Matt and Deanna, prayed for one of the foster kids. Actually, when uh, Nancy came for a day, uh, Amy brought one of the kids over, and Nancy's like, I prayed for her. Like, she was the kid that I had been praying for. And many of you guys brought birthday presents as well. So I just saw our church kind of wrap around these kids. I love our church in so many different contexts, whether it's worshiping together here, whether it's shooting each other with Nerf guns at our church retreat, all church retreat and eating ramen, whether it's watching us walk to the mall and, you know, pick up Chipotle for the 10th time. Like, I love our church in all these different contexts, but to see a big chunk of our church in our values of being family, in our values of connecting authentically, in the way that we have built friendship together, to see a a big piece of us get dropped into the context of a foster camp and to see how important our value of family is there, to see how important it is to uh, connect and love and know each other there made me love our church even more. All right, Cadence is going to share the first story with us. 
followed by Mary and Sydney. Check, check, one, two. So um, it's a big, it's kind of, you're kind of wrapped around. So I just want you to talk to your, your youth group. Okay. Is that cool? Okay. They're, they should be attentive because you're one of them. There's like a lot of people here. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to start with when I first came to camp, I definitely was very disoriented because of just the conditions. <laughs> um, the cabin, I remember just walking in and I would just see the mattresses just covered with like blue plastic and everything being super dusty. And I'd go into the bathroom and I'd take a shower and I would just like party with all 20 spiders in my stall. I, I definitely, I, I would call my mom too every night and I would just be like, can you please pick me up? I want to come home. It's very dirty here. So the first couple nights were definitely the hardest for me to sleep and to just go to the bathroom. Um, but when the kids arrived, I was definitely very lost there too because of how different their lives were. Um, and all the things that they've been through and just not knowing how to relate to them. And as a teen counselor, because I'm not assigned to an adult, I definitely didn't really feel like I had much of a purpose in being there. And so um, the first couple of days, I was definitely just like, okay, if I wasn't here, it probably wouldn't have made a difference. Um, so yeah, I definitely felt very lost. So, but then after a couple of days, it definitely got a lot better because I got to have fun with the kids and really connect with them. There was this one camper in our cabin. Her name was Bella, and she was the sweetest girl I've ever met. She um, definitely clicked with me, and we got very, very close. We made a best friend song, and she, she just really loved me, and it was just the best time ever. So I think it was the third or fourth day we were going swimming, and I was just having the time of my life. We were playing mermaids and making boats out of the pool noodles in the pool. And um, there's this one moment where she was just laughing so hard because I just said something super funny. And <laughs> she just looked at me, and she just said, like, you are the big sister that I never had. And that definitely changed something in me because of me being a big sister at home. Um, and it made me realize that there are so many kids there that don't have older kids, older siblings to love them and to care for them and to look after them. So I asked her, oh, do you have any other siblings? Are, are they older or younger? And she said, oh, my siblings are all younger than me, but I honestly just don't really feel like I'm cared for or loved with my siblings. And so that definitely just made me realize, okay, maybe this is the role that I have to take for camp. Instead of being an adult that has like the authority to just say like yes and no all the time, I'm a friend and I'm a supporter and I'm a big sister, someone that they can always look up to, always be their role model, and um, just be the person that they can always be like, okay, she's there for me, not in like a parent way, but in like she's my big sister and um, like I love her. And so. Um, all the kids for the rest of the camp, like, I was just there to have fun. I was there to get them ready for their double dates and put their makeup on, um, to hang out with their boyfriends at the Arts and Crafts Center. <laughs> so, yeah, and then um, it was definitely just very 
a change of heart for me where I went from feeling very lost and disoriented, feeling like I didn't really have a meaning or purpose in being there, to, oh, I'm a big sister, I'm a mentor, I can be there for these kids, and they all love me because I'm the cool teen. <laughs> so that was definitely a week of just transformation in my life that I always will just look back to, and I'm always, I am gonna go back every single year, like this is just a lifetime thing. So yeah, I'm very glad I went, and yeah, that was my experience as a teen counselor. Good job, Cadence. Uh, I'm thinking about a few things. I'm thinking about how we need the whole family. We need older brothers and sisters. We need aunts and uncles. We need grandpa and grandpa, grandmas to create a family at the camp. I'm thinking about, you know, how we, we're always thinking about the development of our kids um, academically, socially, and hobbies. But how are we developing them in terms of seeing outside of themselves? and serving the people around them, and looking outside of the life that we built for them. And Cadence um, did that. And then the third thing I'm thinking about is that I got to see Cadence as a kid. And now, uh, as a teen, we are doing missions together. And that was one of my highlights as a pastor. All right, um, Neri's up next. All right, Neri, I'm going to place you over here, and you talk to this part of the room. Okay? Talk to your friends. Hi, friends. Oh, man, no normally over there, I'm not nervous at all, but I take that guitar off and suddenly I'm shaking. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I I'll, I'll, I'll paint a scene. Um, so it's, it's night one of camp. It's about 9 p.m. Uh, the kids have been at camp for about eight hours now, and it's been a day. I mean... They got off the bus and we went straight to archery, swimming, playing sports, doing all this stuff, dinner at chapel, and it's 9 p.m. and they still have a ton of energy. Uh, and I think for the boys' cabins, our cabin was probably one of the last to get ready for bed because they just have so much energy, right? Um, so every night, uh, and this is great, uh, we have um, these like, resident grandpas and grandmas at camp and they show up and they tell the kids a bedtime story to get them to bed. And I was so impressed at how effective it was, right? Grandpa Leroy like turned off the lights, whether they liked it or not, and then spoke in like the most monotone voice telling the story. And 20 minutes in, they're out, <laughs> gone, <laughs> completely asleep. And, and, and so we're about 20 minutes in, it's still another like 40 minutes or so before uh, the other counselors in our cabin come back and then we can switch off and go take a break. And so it's, it's myself, Everett, and Grandpa Leroy in the cabin. And I'm just thinking, it's like Jurassic Park, nobody move a muscle, <laughs> right? Because if these boys wake up, I have no idea what we're gonna do. Um, and so standing there, it's dark, like you can hear a pin drop and it's, it's, it's so quiet. Um, and I don't have my phone with me because we're not allowed to have our phones with us. So all I got is my watch. And all I can do is push the light button on it so I can turn it on. And that's all the electronics like fix I get, right? And so I'm a little litchy. <laughs> uh, and, and after I do that 10 times, I realize, okay, I, I, gotta, I need to do something with my time. And so uh, a thought pops into my mind um, uh, to, to, to pray for these boys. Uh, and it, 
it's kind of it's it's kind of funny like how I how I got to camp. Um, I kind of grew up. My mom sort of making fun of me that I would never be really good with kids. I wasn't really patient with the younger ones. A lot of stories there, uh, and and for the last few years, Wilson and Vicky have been like nudging me. Hey, go to camp. Go to camp. Go to camp. I think it'll be great. So this year I said, fine, I'll do it. And so I'm just standing there, and and something pops up into my heart to pray for these kids. And so for the next 20, 30 minutes, I just pray for each one by name, and I pray specific things based on kind of how their day went or what's going on. And I did this every night, which is kind of funny because that's like out of character for me. Um, if you know me pretty well, you probably haven't heard me very often say, hey, let's pray together, or hey, let me pray for you. That's a confession. It's not a very good thing. <laughs> Need to get better at that, working on it. <laughs> um, but more on that later. Uh, one, one night in particular, it was uh, everybody's birthday, and I think anyone who was at camp will tell you that was a really hard day. Um, thank you to everyone at Renew who came, because that was a lot of help. Um, but that particular night, one of the boys in our cabin had kind of a bit of an emotional breakdown, and it was really, really rough. Um, I froze. I had no idea what to do. Erwin and Landon handled it masterfully. I learned so much from you guys. It was great. Uh, and, and, you know, we put the, the, the boys to bed, and we did story time. And maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so later, you know, the boy came back. Uh, he gave, I was surprised he gave Landon, like, a handshake and, and a fist bump. And I was like, oh, wow, what are they, what happened? He's completely changed. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, I was so tired, very anxious, stressed out, and thinking, God, I, I really don't want to pray tonight. Like, I'm just so tired. Help me pray. Um, and, and, and he did. Uh, and particularly for this boy that night, I remember praying, God, like, we have a day and a half left here. Let him have some fun, you know. Let, let him put aside kind of what, whatever caused, you know, the breakdown tonight. Let him put it aside. And the time we have left, I just want him to have fun. I want him to, like, experience your love, your kindness. The next day, uh, he, he requested to spend the day with uh, another cabin, a cabin that had his brother in it. And that cabin was run by uh, uh, Wilson, Jacob, Sean, and, and Casey. And I thank you guys so much for, for taking him on because you took on an extra camper. And, and you know, it made his day. He, he did all the activities with them. He had a fun day. Uh, and, and the best part, you know, in the evening, he came to our cabin in a good mood, right? And it was easy to go to bed, no drama, no fights, nothing like that. And, and I remember feeling so relieved. It's like, oh, my goodness, great, because he, he's having some fun, right? And even on the, our last morning, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking with him, and, uh, you know, he's, like, signing the back of my shirt very enthusiastically, probably the most complex signature on my shirt I have. Um, and, and, and we're going through his photo book. We give them a photo book at the end of camp that shows, like, all the fun stuff they did. And I was like, oh, that's when you hit the bullseye. And... And, oh, yeah, that's you with the BB guns. He's like, yeah, I love the BB guns. I had so much fun. And he's, like, wiping tears off of his eyes. And, and I'm thinking, yes! yes. <laughs> thank you, God. He, 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 he enjoyed it. He, uh, you know, it wasn't how I expected it. I, I was really hoping our cabin to, like, all be together. But I think in how it turned out, each camper got a lot out of it. Um, and and I, was, I was very, very grateful for that. After the campers leave uh, and we clean up our cabins, um, all the counselors and staff, we meet up at the theater where we would do chapel, right? 
And uh, Jason, one of the coordinators, said, I'm so sorry, Ben, we'll fix that later. Um, <laughs> Jason, one of the coordinators, he said something that uh, it's kind of seared in my mind, I think, for a really long time now. And he said, before you leave or as you leave, um, take stock of like everything God has shown you this week. Because after everything he's shown you here, there's no way you can walk out of here being the same person. Um, and that's when I started making some connections, right? Thinking about, okay, where did that thought of praying for these boys come from? How did that get there? My dad used to do that. Uh, when, when I was very young, he would read uh, my brother and I a bedtime story, uh, and usually from the Bible. Um, he did not like fairy tales. <laughs> uh, and, and we'd fall asleep, right? And sometimes I remember waking up at like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, because I want something to drink or I have to use the bathroom or whatever. And I, I would sometimes hear him praying in the living room. Like he'd be praying out loud, like on his knees about everything, right? Uh, and I thought that was weird when I was a kid, but it, it's interesting that um, come present day, that same thing is kind of imprinted in me. Uh, for those who don't know me or my story super well, I lost my dad about two and a half years ago. Um, and I'm still working through that, as you can tell. And particularly this past year and going through therapy and things like that, I've been thinking about what his legacy is. Like, what has he left behind for me to push forward? And, you know, I, 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 I saw this, this, this ability to see these boys and to see what they're going through and to put them in the hands of the Lord. That's what my dad did. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a dad. I have no clue. <laughs> um, can't tell the future. But it was beautiful and revealing to see, like, oh, yeah, th this is what I'm carrying forward, like this ability. And uh, I, I think that's one of the magical things about camp is that you see God working in the lives of these kids. But if, if you're willing, he'll work in you too. And, and, and I think that's great. Uh, go to camp. It's <laughs> worth it. Thanks for sharing your heart with us, your story. Uh, Sydney's going to close us out. So you can start here talking to your college. And then maybe work your way over there if you would like. Oh, I have my fan club over here. <laughs> I won't forget about all of you. <laughs> I like how Neri started with the first night of camp because I'm actually going to talk about the last night of camp, uh, which was Thursday night. And we were kind of warned that as the week comes to a close, there's a lot of big emotions as the kid starts to think about going home. Uh, but I remember as counselors, we were all just looking onto this scene of our cabin on that last night and it was just pure chaos <laughs> um, and it was a mess you have like in the corner we have two girls that are still like mortal enemies from the nerf gun fight <laughs> uh, and you know with boys they can just like shoot each other and have a great time and nothing will happen but there's like a reason there wasn't a lot of footage of the girls nerf gun fight like it got personal 
Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for that. <laughs> so they're like, I hate you. You're not my friend anymore. <sighs> and then in the other corner, you have a girl who's like accusing everyone of stealing her birthday present from Wednesday night. She's like, where's my slime? She's calling everyone a thief. <laughs> We're like secretly glad she doesn't have slime in our cabin. And then we have our little six-year-old, the like baby of camp. She's so cute, but she's just crying because everyone else is upset. She doesn't want to get left out. <laughs> so we have a lot of drama. But there was one girl in our cabin who we were like particularly concerned about. Her name was Hana. And on Thursday night, Hana had a rough time because of something that had happened earlier that evening. So uh Thursday evening, we had a hayride. You kind of saw a little bit of that with all the boys that were um, kind of on the back of the tractor together. And uh, during the hayride, Hana was seated next to another little girl, and they got into a fight. And I don't know how it started, but it kind of developed into this big scene. This other girl was punching her and kicking her and just like shouting things at her that were so, like, she was basically cussing her out. Like you would never hear another nine-year-old say these words. I would be offended if someone said those things to me. Um, it was crazy. Uh, she was just like yelling obscenities at her. It was horrible. And we had to like physically separate them. Uh, and the counselors were like trying to sit in between them. We had to end the hayride early. But there was something I noticed about Hana because she, throughout the week, was our runner. She always wanted to go her own way. Wendy is nodding in the back because she knows. Um, and she was also kind of a fighter. Like, she would retaliate very quickly if someone had said something that she perceived was, like, kind of combative against her. But in that moment, she was not fighting back. She kind of, like, curled into a ball and let this girl, like, bash her, basically. So I thought that was really different from what I had seen the rest of the week. So we're looking at all this drama in our cabin, right? Last night, Han is kind of crying in the corner about what had happened. And then all the girls sort of start to turn their attention towards her. And they ask her, what's wrong? What happened? And they kind of ask for her to recount the details since they may not have known about this fight. And Hannah's really emotional, but she's kind of relaying how this girl hit her and punched her and called her all these names and told her all these negative things about herself. And she kind of takes a pause, and she has everyone's attention now. And she says, she reminded me of my birth mom. And it was silent. It was the first time our cabin had ever been silent. And I don't know what the kids were thinking about because, you know, I can only imagine. But the counselors were kind of like making eye contact, like deer in the headlights in that moment. Kind of like, what do we say? What do we do? And also kind of thinking about how this kid had heard words like that, not just from a peer or another kid, but from an adult and from a parent. And in that moment, I had no idea what to do. But we were super blessed to have a great lead counselor named Sammy. Uh, and oh, I'm so grateful for her. But in that moment, she kind of took control of the situation and said, OK, everybody sit on the floor right now. 
she got them all to sit in a circle, and they listened, and they were still quiet, and she said, okay, one at a time, we're going to say one positive thing about Hannah. One at a time, we're going to say one positive thing about Hazel and Haley and Jojo. And all of the girls, in their own words, had to think of something to say to build up their friends. And the counselors participated, too, and, you know, it was... Hannah is intelligent and kind. Um, Haley is cute and so much fun to be with. And Hazel is smart and my best friend. And that whole moment just kind of transformed the week at camp for us. And you know, we can't go back in time and erase like six to eight years of bad memories for those kids, but I think about what Matt says at camp. He says, make moments matter. It's like his catchphrase. Uh, and I hope that the girls will remember that moment the next time someone tries to tell them who they are or say negative things about them, uh, that they would remember, Sydney thinks I'm smart. Haley thinks I'm her best friend. Hazel thinks I'm intelligent and kind and funny. And... It was such a blessing to be able to witness that moment and think about how it could impact them. And I know it definitely impacted me too. I hope that this camp and serving uh, kids who are in the foster system would define our church. There's a lot of things I'm grateful for over this year, like air conditioning. But being able to do this at this scale has been amazing. But we want to continue to move beyond uh, where we're at now. So I can see us financially starting to take over this camp and provide for it. Uh, EV Free had done that for many years, which we're really grateful for. OC United is carrying a lot of the financial burden. It's about $70,000. So, you know, we gave a few thousand this year. Our Mother, Mother's Day offering went uh, to the camp but I hope it could become a part of our budget. But then I hope that all of you would consider integrating into this camp as well. There's a lot of ways to get involved, but the ultimate vision of the camp is actually really amazing to take a cabin of six-year-olds and to do a camp with them. And then there's opportunities to be a counselor once a month um, on a Saturday with the same camper. So you're with them every single month till the next camp. And then you can move up a cabin in order to keep that same kid for next year. And you can do this every year till they graduate at 12 or 13 years old. So you're with them for six years, for a week a year, one, one Saturday a month. And then after that, they'll graduate into teen camp, which uh, didn't exist or start. Check, check, okay. So we don't have teen camp, we had it for many years. But basically, uh, we're taking it on as we knew and talking about what we can do to make this happen next summer so that the kids have something to graduate into. And then they can, we can do club once a month with them as well. And then potentially, Sydney can watch her camper turn 18 and then at 16 be a teen counselor, basically cadence with Sydney at the kid camp. And after that, we uh, have some programs with OC United for people who have aged out of foster to provide housing as well as a social worker, helping them through school. 
there's a whole infrastructure that our church uh, is pretty trusted in at this point and gets to help carry. So that's my hope for our church. And if you want to be involved, uh, we're actually going to be passing around clipboards right now. Um, after COVID, they're allowing people who have not been to camp to do the club, to do the once a week with these kids. Uh, you could interact with them one-on-one -on -one and be a part of their life that way. But you could also just crafts or, oops, sorry, my, my mic's going in and out. You could also just handle crafts or food or, or play games with them. And so we don't want this to be like Never Never Land, where we're, where we're going and coming back and it only exists for a week of summer. We want this to be a part of our lives. One of the people that I've really looked up to over the year is uh, Matt and Deanna, and they've done this for many years. So he's going to be our last story, um, sharing about the longevity that this relationship and club is able to gift us and our families. Thanks, Wilson. So, uh, morning, everybody. Uh, Wilson really said something that impacted me a lot. Renew does family extremely well. This church does family extremely well. And Royal Family Kids Camp, it's in the name, family, we try and do the same thing. And so, for me, it's just such a natural fit for Renew to be part of Royal Family Kids because we already do family so well. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about what does that look like because in a, as a church, like Wilson also said, like, man, we're filling up the seats, and that's wonderful. But real church growth happens when we serve together, when we mm. go out and we actually get to serve side by side. We can sit here in this room together. We can go to home fellowships. But where true growth in a church happens is when we go on short-term missions trips together or when we're serving the homeless or when we go to Royal Family Kids Camp. And that's where true growth happens. That's Matt's opinion. But anyways, I do want to give you guys a little bit. Wilson kind of went through how it goes We've got Royal Family Kids Camp. The kids come for one week. And then we have what's called Royal Family Kids Club, where the kids get to come one Saturday a month, and we get to be during the school year. And then when they get over, you know, when they turn 13 years old, then we have what's called a teen academy thing that we get to do with the kids. And that's also monthly, and they go to a, a weekend camp. And then we partner with OC United, and they've got a, a program for emancipated youth, which is kids that are formerly fostered. So it's conceivable that we can be in a relationship with these kids from the age of six years old into young adults. And it's just a beautiful thing. When these kids have um, so many things changing in their life, right? Their social workers are changing. Their foster homes are changing. Uh, their judges are changing. A lot of things around these kids change throughout their life. But royal family can be a consistency with them. So I wanted to share a quick story of, of how that looked in my life. Uh, I've been doing this for about 10 years. and. There's this family we became close with at, at, at a club uh, and, and camp. And so they, they, you know, first it was the older kids that came through. And then over the years, the younger ones came through. And so I was, when I first started, I got to be, a, I'm going to pick on the older one. So she was at, at camp. Hey, I got to know her at camp. This is great. Now she aged out. She went to the teen group, which I, I lost contact with her a little bit, although she had siblings that were still going to club. And even this year at camp, the youngest one was still at camp. But, uh, but when my kid, because I was mentoring a kid named Chris, and when Chris went into the teen program, I also moved into the teen program, and I got to reconnect with this, with this girl. And so it was her last year, she was 17 years old, 
and she was at the team program. And because of COVID, we had to do an all-nighter. We couldn't go to camp because of rules with COVID, but we were able to do this all-nighter. And in the morning, we're walking to go see the sunrise. We're walking over to this parking structure. And as we're walking over to, to see this, she, she takes my hand, right? And she wanted to hold my hand. And for me, I'm some old dude, right? And here's a 17-year-old girl who wants to hold my hand as we're walking to go see the sunrise. If I back up a little bit for you guys, we build relationships over the years. Like I said, we know this family. They had a tragedy in their family. Uh, the, the dad, their biological father, he, had, he was killed in a, in a motorcycle accident. And we were there for the family. We wrapped around this family, and we attended the funeral. And, the, you know, it was, it was a Catholic, so they had a mass and viewings and all this other, I don't know how many different services, but they had a bunch of different services, and we were there for all those. But during the services, the family, they had all this family up from Mexico, but the kids were holding on to us, right? And they were like, like death grip on my arm. And I asked them, I said, hey, your grandma's up from Mexico, and you've got an aunt and uncle up from Mexico that you don't see very often. I said, don't you want to sit with them? And they're like, no, you're our family, right? You are our family. So these kids were just clinging. I'm like literally holding on to us, saying that we're the family. So now fast forward to today, the, the oldest girl, she went to camp this year as an adult counselor. So we had the youngest sister as a camper, the oldest sister as, as, a, as a counselor, and then there's two kids in between that are about teenage age. So what I'm trying to communicate is that we have this amazing opportunity here at Renew. Even though we do family so well right here, we have an opportunity to be family to these kids where they really don't have the consistency anywhere else. So I, I do want to challenge you. I don't know if you wanted me to or not, but I'm going to challenge you guys to, to get involved. It's a unique opportunity to serve with one another side by side. I know I look out at the audience, and I, I, I love the people that we get to serve with. In fact, it's the reason why Deanna and I started coming to this church is because you guys have amazing volunteers willing to set a week aside to go to camp, and hopefully you guys will get involved with club and the teens, et cetera. Thanks, Wilson. Thank you, Matt. You know, to echo what you said, Matt, I had a great uh, college group that I grew up with from junior high. We hung out all the time after church. We did all kinds of activities together. We were super close. But then I look up at our college group now, and I'm like so jealous because even though I had a, such a tight friendship with my friends and we still hang out, I look back and there's so little we were able to do for the kingdom. And now, and then at the camp, I look up and see all these college students who love each other and hang out throughout the weeks, but they're doing something super impactful. You know, when we first went to, um, to Brea, uh, we were concerned because <laughs> we didn't, we, we know Brea. It's safe. It's like a cul-de-sac city, you know, like kind of nothing happens, big sidewalks. And as a family, I love safety. Like I have three little ones. I want them safe all the time. It's very comfortable here, um, you know, and there's, it's not that violent. But as we moved here as a church from, like, kind of a grittier part of Fullerton, we're like, dude, are we just going to be Brea, you know? Are we just going to be comfortable? Is the AC going to make us soft? Are the cushy chairs going to make us soft? Like, are we, are we just going to be another suburban church that just kind of insulates and feels comfortable? But then I was talking um, to Irwin and other people, and I thought, you know, the, the way that 
that um, Brea is safe and peaceful and quiet and comfortable, what, what would it look like for us to gift that to people, kids who have been in the foster system? Because their life is chaotic. Their life is unsafe. Um, they don't have a lot. And so I think about why God brought us here and the people that have come into this room and, and what it looks like to reach out through the space that we have and offer it to those who, who would love safety and comfort and peace. I hope that over the years, the line between Renew and RFKC and the teen camp start, start to thin. There's so many of the teen counselors that I like beg to come to Renew because we need them as well so we won't fall asleep here. And, they, uh, and we can be a family to them. And then lastly, I think about how Jesus does for that for us. He was comfortable in heaven. He never suffered. He never felt pain. He never had to live in sin. But he comes from a place of comfort into, onto the earth and walks through the mud with us and then gifts us with his peace and presence and kindness. I think about Renew, and I hope that we would follow the way of Jesus. It's not bad to have comfort and safety but it's for us to gift to those around us. Uh, we're going to take communion this morning. And um, as we do, I want us, again, to think about the way that Jesus sacrificed and gave up what was safe and comfortable to gift it to us. Would you take out the bread? This is his body broken for us. Take this in remembrance of the Lord. And would you open the cup? This is his blood spilt for us. Would you take this in remembrance of the Lord? Jesus, we thank you for the power, the privilege, the comfort that you had. But it didn't keep you back from coming to earth and extending and gifting that to us, even when it meant sacrifice, even when it meant carrying the cross. God, in the ways that we get to experience privilege and richness and comfort and safety, will we step into the places that feel broken and like you, Jesus, extend um, those things to them? knowing that all of that comes from you first, that we have nothing without you. We love you. We think about how you served, and we think about what it means to emulate um, a servant God and king. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series, and we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. 
We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.